Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Career Catharsis Show. I'm your host, Neha Kuram. Each episode, I interview experts in the fields of workplace wellness and career transformation to assist you in living a better personal and professional life. Today, I will be discussing tactics on relieving anxiety with our guest, my friend and co-founder of our upcoming mental health app, Stefan Milosevic, registered psychotherapist qualifying at Dig a Little Deeper Psychotherapy and Counseling based across Ontario. Please note, if you are seeking therapy or counseling, visit digalittledeeper.ca to book online now. Additional links and resources will be listed in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me on the Career Catharsis show, Stefan. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So... I understand that you are a registered psychotherapist qualifying, and mm-hmm. I'm super excited to be co-founding a mental health app with you, which I'm excited to share more details of in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> and more, more to come on that in the future. Absolutely. And before we dive into today's discussion, I would love for our listeners to get a better understanding of your journey as a therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, you know, to kind of answer that question, one of the things that led me into therapy is where I'll start. So, you know, as I was growing up and as I was kind of meeting different people, I mean, I've been in the field for about four to five years. When I say the field, I'm talking about the mental health field. One of the things that drew me to the field is I've often met people who who seem to be kind of down on themselves and, and they're not really reaching their full potential. But when then, when outsiders kind of look at them, we see so much from them. We see so much potential. And I was very interested in, in kind of getting that potential out of them. So that's what drew me into the mental health field to understand like, how can we treat some of these things that are going on with people? How can we help people? How can we support people to, to reach their full potential when, when people around them might see it and they themselves might not see it? So that's kind of what led me to, to therapy. Um, I worked with, in group homes with you know, youth who might be at risk of homelessness, addictions, trauma, uh, all sorts of struggles. And I've also worked within two addictions treatment centers where I, where I helped uh, support people with addictions. And when it comes to addictions, we're also talking a lot about trauma. We're talking about anxiety, depression, relationship issues, boundaries. So I've supported people in that way. And then now as a registered psychotherapist qualifying, I, I conduct therapy one-on-one with clients and I, I see a variety of clients with many different issues. Um, and so that's kind of my journey with that. Thank you. And I know that anxiety is also a major factor or component of what your clients struggle with. Yes, yes. Anxiety is actually one of my specialties, um, specifically obsessive compulsive disorder, which is an anxiety disorder. But I do, you know, treat a lot of people with anxiety. I enjoy working with people with anxiety. I mean, anxiety is something that a lot of people face. And, and it's important to kind of get to the bottom of what's, what's going on with anxiety. And 
Can you tell us a little bit more about the types of clients that you work with and what kind of issues they might be facing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've worked with uh, kind of a, of a wide variety of issues. Um, I do specialize in anxiety and in obsessive compulsive disorder. I also do specialize a little bit in trauma. Um, but with that being said, I do deal with, uh, you know, depression, anxiety, any trauma, like I said, addictions. I do have a lot of experience with addictions. Any sort of relationship issues is also what I get a lot of. Um, so I do help people, you know, setting boundaries. Um, also, self-care and mindfulness are a big part of what I do. But again, you know, even like stress or anxiety, anything that really is troubling people, I work through with them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And what is your experience like working with clients that have anxiety in particular? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, uh, you know, it, it's actually a really great experience because when we talk about something like anxiety, this is something that a lot of people struggle with. And when we speak about anxiety, what we're really speaking about is fear, right? When we talk about like, what is anxiety? It is a, a fear of something, possibly the future or possibly some sort of event. Um, and my experience has been a lot of, you know, when you're working with anxiety, you want to make sure that you're grounding people, first of all, that, you know, when you're experiencing anxiety, you're able to kind of bring yourself down into that present moment. When it comes to anxiety, there's, there's a, a wide range of ways you can treat it. Um, I, you know, I kind of treat it with cognitive behavior therapy. Again, we focus on some of that mindfulness stuff. We focus on a lot of those thoughts that might be leading to that anxiety. Um, but on top of that, I also am partially trained in EMDR therapy, so that's been found to be very helpful with anxiety. The thing with anxiety is that it's kind of a comorbid uh, issue that happens with a lot of other mental health uh, struggles. So it can be grounded in trauma, it can be grounded with ADHD, um, and it can just be grounded, you know, natural anxiety, where we don't have to kind of focus on diagnoses or anything. But when people come to me and they say, you know, I have anxiety, I don't do any sort of diagnosis or anything like that. I just kind of work with them on what their symptoms are. And we kind of go from there. Okay. So you mentioned EMDR. Can you <laughs> specify what that means? Yeah. So EMDR is... Um, it's a therapy that is all about reprocessing some of the memories that we have. Um, to kind of put this very simply, there's, there's a part of our brain that sets off alarms, and that's where we see people either dissociate from when they are faced with certain situations, or they might get anxiety, or they might get triggered in some other sort of way in which their reaction is a little bit adverse. What EMDR therapy is all about, it's about reprocessing some of those memories. So we move them from the part of the brain that says, you know, this is alarm, this is a threat, and we move them to, to the part of the brain that's the neocortex. When we have memories in the neocortex, this is where we are able to adaptively cope with those memories. It's no longer, you know, I'm gonna be anxious, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna get triggered from this. Now it's more like, yes, I understand that this memory is here, I understand that this situation is happening to me. Now I'm able to cope with it a lot better because I reprocessed some of those memories. And that's kind of the, the gist of EMDR. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, uh, but that's the, the gist of what the, the goal is. So reprocessing your memories towards acceptance. Yeah, you could definitely say towards, towards uh, acceptance and um, you know, also, also a way of 
I can cope with this. I can deal with this. Like, it's not mitigating the fact that this, whether it was a trauma or, or some sort of memory that's triggering, it's not mitigating the fact that that is actually a real struggle. But now we're able to say, you know, I do have the strength to deal with this. And when we talk about the strength to be able to deal with something, whether it's anxiety, depression, trauma, addictions, everybody has that strength. And through EMDR and, and through all of these different therapies, we're able to kind of draw those strengths out of people. And can you specify what does EMDR stand for? Yeah, it stands for Eye Movement Desensitization uh, Processing Therapy. Um, now we say eye movement, we don't necessarily have to use eye movement when we're doing it. Um, the, we can sometimes just do bilateral tapping. We talk about bilateral stimulation when we talk about EMDR therapy. This is one of the processes that we use in order to reprocess some of those memories. So that's the technique is bilateral stimulation. Um, and again, there's a lot that goes into that. That is one of the ways in which we move some of those memories into the neocortex. Fascinating. And just moving back to anxiety once more, mm -hmm. what is the number one tip you have for listeners that may be facing anxiety at work or yeah. in their personal life this year? Yeah, very, very good question. And I think um, this is a question that's kind of dear to my heart. Um, the workplace was actually something that I, I really wanted to implement mental health uh, awareness, mental health treatment in, because we're there for a lot of our, our time, right? When it comes to anxiety in the workplace, one of the things I would definitely say is mindfulness. You know, we're faced with a situation that might be anxiety provoking in the workplace, and we might have this fear come up. We might feel threatened, which is a big piece of anxiety as well. I would say that for everybody that's in a workplace to, to be able to take moments out of that work time and really ground ourselves, really practice mindfulness. I wanna preface this by saying, when I say practice mindfulness, people have this uh, idea that you practice mindfulness when things are going wrong. The, the problem here is that we have to get our bodies used to being in a mindful state. So when I say practice mindfulness, I'm not saying do it when something goes wrong or when you actually feel that anxiety. I'm saying it as a self-care practice. You can practice mindfulness even when everything is okay. Because when you practice mindfulness, when everything is okay, when those situations that are threatening uh, kind of come at you, you're actually gonna be able to use those mindfulness techniques in a better fashion. So when I say anxiety in the workplace, I really mean take time out of your workday to practice mindfulness, even if your workday is going great. I think this is something that a lot of organizations, um, you know, moving on into the future are going to start to implement some sort of mindfulness practice, or at least that is my hope. Mm -hmm. So really being proactive and making sure that you're cultivating habits versus being reactive and trying to throw a Band-Aid on an issue or scrambling to find a solution when really the work comes in daily doses. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's kind of that, that self-care practice is what I would call that. Something that, you know, we can all implement into our lives and maybe some of us, you know, don't as much as we need to. Um, so definitely, you know, a, a, a lifestyle, I would say. Mm -hmm. Mindfulness is a lifestyle. Yeah. Got it. And what can people do to turn down the noise that comes with doubt? 
Yes. So another great question. I think it goes back to, you know, going through, I, I would say, you know, number one, therapy is always a great option. Whether everything's okay or whether, you know, you have certain questions, therapy is a support system. So I would always encourage people to, you know, attend that because that's where you're going to learn some of these skills. But to turn down some of that doubt, again, I would say, bring yourself back into the moment. Um, because, you know, we all have intrusive thoughts. We all have things that go through our minds. And, and some of those things aren't always nice. Um, and I know this one quote that I kind of always say, it's like, your thoughts are not always your best friend. Mm -hmm. and, and it's that piece around our thoughts are just our own actual opinions. Our thoughts are not facts. And so when we have that kind of self-doubt about ourselves, it's important to, to, again, practice that mindfulness to ground ourselves in the moment. Um, and when we're in that moment, we actually have a chance to take a step back from what's going on inside of our heads, from all of these doubts that we might be having, and then practice maybe some self-compassion, some self-soothing to say, you know what, maybe I can turn this into a different sort of thought or a different sort of uh, way of looking at it. So would you say that that self-compassion comes with reframing thoughts? I would say reframing, but even it, even that is a bit of a, a stretch because I would say the beginning of self-compassion is to say that this is okay. You know, when we talk about like anxiety, and I hope this isn't the message that I'm portraying out there, we often think, oh, you know, anxiety is a bad thing or, or some of these feelings are bad, but anxiety is actually okay. Anxiety is healthy, right? And that's where self-compassion starts. So let's say going back to a previous question, I'm having certain doubts or I'm in the workplace and, and I start feeling some of this anxiety, maybe because of something happened or just in general. One of the things to say to start off this process of mindfulness and self-compassion is to say, I am anxious right now and that is okay. Mm -hmm. And what a, what a lot of people might do in those scenarios is say, you know, I am anxious right now and this is gonna go terribly, this is gonna go awful, I'm, I'm gonna lose my job. And then we start judging some of those thoughts. But part of self-compassion, again, is that this anxiety is okay. And if I can start there, if I can start by saying this anxiety is okay, and then start my mindfulness practice, that's that acceptance piece. That's that piece that's saying, you know what, I am worth it, or I, I can do this, and giving ourselves that strength that I talked about at the beginning. It's almost like giving yourself permission to feel what you are feeling. And exactly not be alarmed by the feeling. I think when people are switching gears with their emotions and that's kind of when those alarm bells start ringing. So really what you're saying when you're saying grounding is just recognizing that you've still got your two feet planted on the ground and there's nothing that you, um, that you can't accomplish since you've been through everything and got yourself to where you are um, just by virtue of being yourself. So. Um, that's, that's really great, but I'd be curious to know what are some tactical grounding tips that you can provide or maybe even mindfulness tactics mm -hmm. that you can share with listeners today? Sure. So there's a, there's a lot of them out there. I think, um, you know, and often when clients ask me, you know, what mindfulness techniques do I implement? I like to give them the kind of the short, short ones that they can actually practice day to day because it's a new practice. I can say, let's jump into meditation because meditation is a mindfulness practice. Here's the, the stats around this. 10 minutes a day of meditation for about eight weeks is when you're gonna start seeing the long-term effects of this. 
Now, the short-term effects in that 10 minutes is it's also going to relax you, right? But a lot of people can't just jump into meditation. So what I offer some of my people for my clients for who, who don't have time to practice meditation or they never done it is something I call box breathing, right? And a lot of people might be familiar with this. It's the idea of taking about four to five second breath in through your nose, and then you hold that breath for four to five seconds, and then you exhale through your mouth for four to five seconds. And while you're doing this, right? Now, this is a technique for mindfulness, but when it comes to mindfulness, again, it's important to understand that it's that non-judgment piece that's important. While I'm doing this breath work, I'm relaxing my body, and then it's also important to be able to relax my mind at the same time. So it's okay if you know thoughts come in, but then I work on accepting them and saying, you know what, I notice this has come. I notice I'm anxious right now. The goal is not to get rid of my anxiety. The goal is to be okay with it. The goal is not to get rid of my anxiety, but to be okay with it. That's right, that's, that's right. Powerful. Yes. And can you share what it is that keeps you motivated? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think um, definitely empowering people is something that motivates me. Um, definitely seeing people reach their full potential, but at the same time also reaching mine. And I think that's what's very motivating. And I think that's the essence of, of being human and, and understanding that piece of we can, always, we can always kind of reach further. We can always kind of become stronger um, through so many different practices, through so many different implementations of adaptive coping strategies, of adaptive living. Um, that's kind of what keeps me motivated at all times. <clears throat> mm. And can you share a highlight of your career so far? Yeah, so uh, when we talk about highlights, I always kind of refer back to clients who have epiphanies, you know, where and this is the, the, the truth about therapy, you know, it takes a few sessions to, to get anywhere. Um, and it's interesting because you'll have clients, you know, through, through that therapy process, start realizing things about themselves. And that's really a, a kind of a powerful, powerful highlight of, of my career when clients really start to get that realization of, I see maybe where this part of me is coming from, or I see maybe the way that I've been dealing with this is actually not working out for me. And when those epiphanies happen, you slowly start to see change in people. Um, and this change, it doesn't have to happen all at once, right? It's a gradual process and every little bit, of, every step counts. So th those are definitely some of those highlights when, when people see those epiphanies. Mm -hmm. And can you share any general advice for staying sane during this peculiar year that is 2020? Yes. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start that off by saying everything is is okay, you know, and, and bringing that mindfulness piece in, right? That that yes, there's a lot of struggle going on right now. There might be a lot of turmoil, you know. A lot of people are struggling, and it's important to validate that not only for ourselves but for other people. And when I say everything is okay, and when when we say that to ourselves, it's not to say yeah, I'm not sad right now, or I'm not anxious, or I'm not struggling. It's to say, I am struggling right now, and I am anxious, and that is okay, right? Bringing back to yourself to that mindfulness, to, to that self-compassion that we discussed, saying that, you know, times are tough right now, and a lot of people are expecting maybe a lot from themselves in these times, but it's important to understand that 
you know, we have to be passionate, compassionate with ourselves and, and take it one step at a time. Taking it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners before we conclude? Uh, I would say, you know, what we, what a lot of what we discussed, I would call protective factors. You know, we called it a lifestyle, we called it habits, we called it self-care, um, and they are protective factors. These are these are things that can can help us, you know, in the here and now, but also in the future. The more we practice some of these things, the more compassionate we are with ourselves, um, the easier things are going to get. And a lot of people might say, you know, I've tried this before, and you know, it didn't work out. And I would say that's really great that they've tried it. And I would say keep keep going at it because those those effects will happen. You know, a lot of people say they'll have five coping strategies and their life is going fantastic. And what a lot of people start to do is they start to get really kind of comfortable. Those five coping strategies drop down to two. And when you drop those coping strategies, everything is going to still be okay until it catches up to you. And so this is why I say keep going with those practices and, and again, keep being adaptive. Mm-hmm. Keep being adaptive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for all your insight and for sharing your thoughts on how to relieve anxiety through mindfulness on a daily basis and practicing self-compassion. Hopefully listeners have learned a lot. Thank yeah. Thank you. you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode on relieving anxiety with Stefan Milosevic, registered psychotherapist qualifying at Dig a Little Deeper Psychotherapy and Counseling Practice. You can visit their website at digalittledeeper.ca or visit the show notes for additional resources. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Career Catharsis podcast. It would mean the world to me if you shared this episode with somebody that you know to inspire someone to take the next step in their career. Send me your feedback at coach.neha.coram at gmail.com. Connect with me on Instagram at coach.neha or find me on LinkedIn. Simply type my name, Neha Coram, and you'll find me. Looking forward to connecting and see you next time.